Hi everyone and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance. My name is Devraga and I'm your host and in this episode, we will discuss the things to consider when buying commercial property. For the most part, buying commercial property is very similar to buying residential property. Everything from land zonings to property structure, pest inspections, but there are very unique things about commercial property which significantly is different from residential property and I think it's worthwhile learning about this. For the record, I do not invest in commercial property due to its higher risks, but I know some listeners who are actively engaged in this space and have done very well for themselves. Let's get started. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you want me to discuss a specific topic or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. For those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three main aims education, empowerment, and entertainment. Now to the main topic, what is commercial property? We've got to have a definition. When you think about the definition of this, it's basically a property which is primarily used to conduct business. And that business can be retail, wholesale, or just office space for the operations of that business. Unlike residential real estate, which is primarily used for living space. Now, we could get into the nitty-gritties and say, what about some people who conduct business from their home, which is technically residential real estate? Technically, a commercial property is leased by businesses to conduct income-producing activities. So we're going to ignore about the people that do work from home or conduct business from their home. For the purposes of this episode, we are really focusing on properties which conduct exclusively for business activities, not hybrids. So I'm not going to talk about people who conduct business from their homes. Now, what are the types of commercial properties that people can buy or invest in? Number one is office space. This is basically an area where people can work from, but it may not involve any selling of items or products or services directly. Number two is retail space. This is when businesses use the space to stock items and sell items. For example, Woolies or Coles, they're retail spaces which actually allow customers to walk in and buy products from their shelves. Retail spaces are also all of those shops we see in the shopping centres like clothing, food outlets, tech stores, etc. Number three is industrial. Now, this is larger buildings and they may have machinery and specific areas where they make products, refine products, sometimes even sell products. Most of the space is logistics and manufacturing or even wholesale. And number four is what I call specialty stores. Sometimes people provide specialized stores like tire servicing companies, car servicing companies, massage parlors, hairdressers, childcare centers, GP clinics, pharmacies, etc., etc. Let's look at each of these more closely and define some things which can be attributed to them. Office space, usually located close to food shops and outlets, usually near transport networks to make it easier to access for people, usually lots of windows and centralized. So if you go to the CBD, you got a lot of office spaces as an example. And it's often close to other businesses and have excellent connectivity, such as IT systems and infrastructure. Now, since COVID, the concept of office space has really changed. So we're really working in a hybrid model moving forward. That is work from home options and dedicated office spaces or even shared office spaces. The second one is retail spaces. 
usually around main road accesses or high visibility. There's more traffic, foot, car, the better, usually close to what's called anchor tenants. A classic example is a shopping mall with Maya, Target, Kmart, and then there are smaller shops surrounding these larger shops to drive the traffic. Notice in a mall, the large stores are almost at opposite ends of the mall to make you walk past all the smaller stores. That's not by accident. That's kind of like making the kids walk past the lolly and the Cadbury's and the chocolate before you actually pay at the checkout. And the residential areas where there is more disposable income, you're gonna have larger retail spaces, larger shopping complexes. And it's usually positioned in very high population and growth areas. So cities tend to have more shopping centers than regional and rural areas, for example. Now, the third thing is industrial. There's a range of sizes. The prime consideration here is quality of road networks and freeways and rail networks, as a lot of logistics and movement of products is involved. It's got to be proximal to food outlets as well, because workers need places to relax, eat and have lunch. It has to be in an area with limited noise restrictions and no restrictions on water usage or utilities because they need higher grade pressures and supplies, for example. You wouldn't want a company next to your home and company can't operate due to noise restrictions. That would be very bad for business. And often they should have an external loading dock depending on the size of the property. And lastly, specialty stores. This can be anything from a barber shop to service stations to GP clinics to childcare centers. Now, childcare centres often have a long-term lease and long-term stable tenants and also have a very high rental income. One of the listeners contacted me recently and told me about their childcare investment. Basically, they'd brought it brand new for around three mil, and when the interest rates were a bit lower, they had fixed it. But as interest rates rose, their rental is not keeping pace, but they had excellent rent initially. Their outgoings have also increased because of inflationary pressures. They're a bit concerned if the economy plummets, people lose jobs, then the childcare market suffers as a result, which makes the tenant not able to pay the rent at all. So for any specialty store, you need to make sure there's only one or so of its kind in the near vicinity. Otherwise, competition will be fierce. This is one of the reasons why pharmacies, for example, have very strict regulations on how many pharmacies can actually be open uh, within another pharmacy nearby. The advantage of such leases is usually that they're very long-term, 15 to 20 years or so, particularly with specialty stores. Now that we've learned about commercial property types, it's worthwhile to consider what to look for when buying commercial property. Number one is location. Just like when buying residential property, location is by far the most important element when considering any commercial property. When buying residential property, we want low traffic, low noise, quieter streets and leafy green environments. Depending on the commercial property you want to buy, you kind of want exactly the opposite of this. You want high traffic, plenty of car park, and if industrial, you would want close access to infrastructure like trains and freeways, etc. Number two is vacancy. It's relatively easy to do some due diligence over vacancy rates. If the vacancy rates in the areas of your commercial property are higher than average, it means should your tenant vacate, then you may have no tenant for more lengthy periods of time. When doing this sort of diligence, make sure you negate the owner-occupied market because it may appear vacant, but it's not for rent, so may skew the data. Number three is building. Just like any residential property, you want to make sure something which suits your needs. This means you need to have certain amenities when it comes to certain buildings. Good electricity, gas supply, water supply, sometimes high-pressure systems. Make sure the building itself is in good upkeep so there is minimum maintenance. You may wish to do a building inspection using a professional service which specializes in commercial properties. Number four is tenants. Buying a commercial property which is already tenanted is obviously more advantageous. You may wish to check the history of the tenant. 
For example, a medical or dental practice has a captive audience in terms of their patients who may live in the same area as a practice, so it's harder for them to sell up and move. So those types of tenants pay rent consistently. The only risk with healthcare tenants is the fact that their entire business model is depending on the government's regulation, as did happen recently, where governments basically put an end to bulk billing telehealth, which means some patients will invariably suffer, and it means less patient traffic. This ultimately affects business income and profits, and thereby potentially being able to pay the rent. That is, if you are a GP clinic owner. Not to mention some tenants would have to spend a lot of money fitting out properties, so they'll be reluctant to move that easily. Those sorts of tenants are generally good bang for your buck, so to speak. Again, pharmacies, GP clinics, healthcare-associated tenants, cosmetics, even banks. Now, what about buyer's agents? I think when investing in commercial real estate, having a buyer's agent on your side is well worth the cost. Remember, this is your long-term play, maybe even retirement, so you don't want to make major mistakes. Commercial real estate investing is similar to property investing in general. Buy the wrong property equals you could be screwed for life. The $20,000 or $50,000 you may spend on buyer's agents I think is well worth it. Same goes for residential real estate markets. Just like adding value to your residential investment, there are ways to add value to your commercial investment. Here are some options. The most obvious one is buying under market value and for that you really need some research and help, likely from a buyer's agent. Building more square meterage, provided councils approve it. That's another way. The third way may be adding storage or parking. Some businesses have restrictions on operating with or without car parking based on council regulations. Number four is longer leases is the fourth one. Businesses like safety and security. So some types of businesses such as corporations or industrial sites like longer leases, which also means that you can have built-in rental increases during the leasing period. And that has to be negotiated at the contractual stage when you get your tenant. Now, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll look at the pros and cons of commercial property investing. Be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, welcome back. Let's talk about the pros and cons. Firstly, the pros of commercial property investing. Number one is rents. Residential investment properties have a 25 to 30 year payoff period when it comes to mortgages. Commercial properties often have higher yields and you could pay off your loans a lot sooner. 
After the debt is paid off, basically the positive cash flow can be quite nice and a road to retirement early. Number two is contracts are highly negotiable. Unlike residential property, the contracts for leasing are highly negotiable and variable for commercial properties. So there's a lot more options. This is unlike residential property where leasing options and variabilities are quite limited. This is where a buyer's agent will be useful to negotiate on your behalf as well. Number three is the outgoings are usually paid by the tenants. This is one of the key things which is different to residential properties. Things like water, utilities, council rates, repairs, maintenance, that's all on the tenant's head. The landlord just kind of sits around and watches the rent roll in. This is called net leasing. Number four is security. Tenants want security. Owners want security. Landlords want security. Investors, guess what? also want security. Leases are usually longer and can be anywhere from three years to 20 years with five-year options. Number five is it's often looked after better by tenants compared to residential real estate. When businesses operate out of property, they rely on customers and they need to maintain the property to the highest standard. Imagine going to a business and it's maintained in a really poor fashion and you're the customer. You're not going to go there. And the livelihood and the profits of the business depend on your attendance. So you'll find tenants often maintain properties perhaps to a higher standard than the average residential tenant. Number six is rental increases are built into leases. This is really good. You can build in rental increases in your leases. It's all contracted. It's actually quite common to do this. And that keeps up with inflation. That keeps up with your costs as well. Number seven is tax benefits through depreciation. Now, similar to residential property, you do get some tax benefits. The cost of owning an investment commercial property can be deducted from the overall revenue and income generated from that property. I've done an episode on this called the tax series way back in 2020. If you're interested, many of the principles are still true today. But just one caveat, remember the COVID related tax breaks are all gone. Now, what are the cons of commercial property investing? Not everything is rosy. Number one is you've got to have higher deposits required. Although if you're a specialty store, you may not need it. You can get loans for residential property much more readily when compared to commercial properties. The loan to value ratio is also much lower. The residential property can be up to 95% loan, if not 100%, no deposit loans. For commercial property, usually it sits around 65 to 80%, maybe 90% if you can negotiate, depending on your broker. Number two is complicated terms of leasing arrangement. Because every element of the lease is negotiable, you will definitely need a lawyer to look over your contracts. When you find a tenant, you're essentially entering a contract with them and their business. And the stakes are much higher for things go wrong. Enter COVID-2020. And number four is, generally speaking, reduced capital growth. The growth of residential property has been phenomenal in Australia and most advanced economies around the world. In commercial property, capital growth is tied to business economies and various other factors. So you're more prone to other factors when it comes to commercial property investing and capital growth compared to residential property investing. Number five is vacancies can be longer when compared to residential property. This is actually quite common, stemming from complex leases and fit outs and other costs associated with leasing. Finding appropriate tenants can be tricky, especially for specialized stores as you're narrowed to that type of business. For example, if your building has dental chairs and pretty hard for that property to be used for anyone else, they have to spend quite a bit of money to remove all that and change all the fit outs or you need to wait around until you find a dentist who's happy to come into that practice. And the last one is it's trickier to sell. For the factors I've mentioned before, selling commercial property often takes longer than residential property. The more layers you add, the more harder it is for selling. 
Now, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode, relatively short episode, and that's all I have time for, for the pros and cons, and that's about it for the episode in general. Hopefully it provides a general overview about commercial property investing. It certainly can provide a good source of long-term income for people who are looking out for high-yield investments. I don't know, listeners are, some of them I know personally, are owners of commercial property, such as shopping strips, small malls, childcare centers, uh, GP practices, of course, and also specialty practices and stores as well, and of course, pharmacies. Now, remember to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you may be using, or leave a five-star rating on all of the platforms, that's even better, and please leave a positive review. On that note, thanks for the positive review, L-O-T-R-R-R-23. Basically, the positive review is two words, no fluff. That's a very consistent feedback I get from listeners and something I'm proud of. And I prefer to keep things tight, objective and informative without any fluffy stuff. For those of that have been long-time listeners, and I also don't hesitate to speak out, as you know. It wouldn't be fun otherwise, creating some controversy because Dev said. Hopefully you keep listening and spread the episodes more and more. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to my podcast, so please keep them coming. My name's Dev Raga from Dev Raga Personal Finance, and until next time, please make sure you stay safe. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and work and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to this podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast and Glenn James are authorised representatives of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services licence 451289. 